Welcome back to United We Stand, a podcast where we explore American history and how the past is speaking to us about today, and in particular, how they're encouraging us to come together and be united, even as we argue over seemingly everything. This week, we're going to talk about the most famous Senate speech in history. But before that, I just wanted to say I am here to advocate for national unity. Like the other episodes, what that means is that I'm telling everybody in the U.S. that we need to strive towards common goals to promote better lives for each of us. We don't have to agree on everything, but we should strive to show love for our neighbors and to act from a place where together we're going to be better than if we were going it alone. Why unity? Unity is essential for social, economic, and political stability. So there is something that we get out of this. But when we're united, individuals are more likely to work together to achieve common goals and resolve conflicts peacefully. And who doesn't want more peace in our communities? What this does is creates a stable and harmonious environment, which is necessary for the growth and development of society. I want my kids to grow up in a world that is full of opportunity for them and a place that is growing and stable is going to be better than one that is chaos. But basically, we want to give ourselves the best environment for our own success and that of our kids. The best way to do that is to unify around the idea that together we all can provide the best environment for everyone, which ensures that we have the best environment for each of us. I said last time, a rising tide lifts all boats. So today, let's start with a pop quiz. And don't worry, you don't actually have to have an answer. But who gave the most famous speech in US Senate history? The answer is Daniel Webster. On January 26, 1830, he gave a closing speech, which has become known as the Liberty and Union speech, after a nine-day debate with another senator, which is considered the most famous speech in Senate history. And while you may not have heard this speech, it is 41 pages in a PDF. You have likely heard pieces of it, and it's very interesting to note that parts of this speech were used during President Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, and also parts of this speech became the state motto for North Dakota. So how did this come about and why are we talking about it here? Let's first look. 1830, that was approximately 40 years after the U.S. Constitution was adopted. And when you consider a nation, 40 years old is sort of like being a teenager. So we were still struggling with our national identity. We were struggling with regional identities being stronger than the national identity. We were still learning how to do country together. And there was arguing there was growing pains, there were things that ultimately led to the Civil War, slavery as an unresolved question, North versus South. And it is 1830 when this was taking place, the Civil War was 30 years away, but they were definitely talking about slavery. And this is one of the ripple effects that got us down the line to the Civil War. But how did it start? And why are we talking about it? Well, it started as a Senate resolution to stop the sale of new lands. And the resolution wasn't particularly popular in South Carolina. And that seems sort of innocent, right? Well, it does. But the speeches turned into an unplanned debate over the course of nine days, ultimately between Daniel Webster of Massachusetts and Senator Robert Hayne of South Carolina. And it started as a land survey bill, but it really morphed into what does it mean to be America? And how should we do country together? And the pivot point of how it morphed there was one of the primary arguments 
experience from Robert Hayne was that South Carolina doesn't like the law and the law is not explicitly spelled out in the Constitution. So South Carolina can ignore the law and there would be no repercussions. Well, the debate then became which takes precedent. Is it the federal or is it the state? And of course, the U.S. Constitution says it's the federal law. It doesn't have to be explicitly spelled out in the Constitution, but if there is federal law, it takes precedent over the state law. Again, you kind of start small and it gets to this big thing that now echoes down throughout history, but let's just read it and see what he had to say. And of course, with the speech being 41 pages of small font type on a PDF file, we're not going to read all of it. We're going to cut to the good stuff. What he said was, the people's constitution shall be the supreme law. The constitution is the people's government made for the people, made by the people, and answerable to the people. The people of the United States have declared that the constitution shall be the supreme law. Webster said, I have not allowed myself, sir, to look beyond the union, to see what might lie hidden in the dark recesses behind. I have not coolly weighed the chances of preserving liberty when the bonds that unite us together shall be broken asunder. I have not accustomed myself to hanging over the precipice of disunion to see whether, with my short sight, I can fathom the depth of the abyss below. Nor could I regard him as a safe counselor in the affairs of this government whose thoughts should be mainly bent on considering not how the union may be best preserved, but how tolerable might be the condition of the people when it should be broken up and destroyed. That's part one I wanted to read, and basically what he's saying is he has not even considered that the U.S. could get dissolved, go back to just being a collection of states or each state as their own country. He was saying that he hasn't even considered it, and in fact, he doesn't trust anybody to serve in the government that would consider breaking up the country, which is really interesting that he said this in 1830, and everything old is new again, as they say, because we still have people today that are saying we should split the country, we should just divorce and go our separate ways. And here we have a guy from nearly 200 years ago saying, not only is that a wrong way to think, I don't even think people like that should be allowed to serve in the government, because clearly they don't have the nation or the people who gave this country its life, they don't have the best interest at heart for those folks. And then the piece that he went on to say, which is where this became the most famous speech in Senate history, is this. While the union lasts, we have high, exciting, gratifying prospects spread out before us and our children. Beyond that, I seek not to penetrate the veil. God grant that in my day, at least, that curtain may not rise. God grant that on my vision never may be opened to what lies behind. When my eyes shall be turned to behold, for the last time, the sun in heaven, may I not see him shining on the broken and dishonored fragments of a once glorious union, on states dissevered, discordant, belligerent, on a land rent with civil feuds or drenched, it may be in fraternal blood. Let their last feeble and lingering glance rather behold the glorious ensign of the Republic, now known and honored throughout the earth, still full high advanced, its arms and trophies streaming in their original luster, not a stripe erased or polluted, not a single star obscured, bearing for its motto, no such miserable interrogatory as, what is it all worth? Nor those other words of delusion and folly, liberty first and union afterwards, but everywhere spread all over in characters of living light, blazing on all its sample folds as they float over the sea and over the land, and in every wind under the whole heavens that other sentiment dear 
to every true American heart. Liberty and union, now and forever, one and inseparable. Essentially, what Webster is saying here is that we have to have liberty and union together. We can't have one without the other. We cannot break up the country and still have liberty. We have to have union. We have to have unity. And he's saying that 200 years ago, nearly. He's saying it, and it's noted to be so important that it's often read on the floor of the Senate annually. It's something that is still powerful. The language is antiquated, there's no doubt about it, but the sentiment that liberty and union go together, that every true American heart should have liberty and union now and forever, one and inseparable, is something that rings true today, especially for me. And with that, I wanted to close and say thanks for joining again. I wanted to say thank you for listening. I wanted to encourage you to have liberty and union now and forever, one and inseparable in your heart as you leave this podcast. Take it with you. Encourage your friends. Encourage your family that together we are better. Together we are free. We have liberty and union together now and forever. Thanks. Thanks.